Hi, and welcome to the Unique Perspective Show, broadcast live on Hakol Radio, powered by the Montanidhasar. Every person, and in particular, every Jew, is special and unique in his or her own way, contributing to society with their very own flavor. My name is Yehuda Blonder, your show host, and I was born with a rare medical condition called familial dysautonomia, also known as FD. Growing up and overcoming multitudes of medical challenges shaped the person I am today, as well as gave me a rather unique perspective on life. On this show, we will be sitting down with amazing people with unique perspectives in life who will give us a glimpse into their lives and what makes them who they are. Come along with me for the ride on the Unique Perspective Show on Hakko Radio. Hey everyone and welcome to a special edition of the Unique Perspective Show. On today's show, the tables have turned and our host, Yehuda Blonder, sat down for an exclusive interview discussing his rather unique approach to his life's challenges. On this episode, Yehuda is interviewed by a close friend of his who draws out the hard, the serious, and yes, even the fun moments of his life. Due to broadcasting constraints, this will be broken into a three-part series which will be aired over the next few months. Please join our anonymous host on this unique journey with the one and only Yehuda Blonder on the Unique Perspective Show. Hello and welcome to the Unique Perspective Show. Today we're going to do something different. Instead of Yehuda Leib introducing someone new, someone interesting, someone with a very unique perspective, today, instead, we're going to interview Yehuda Leib Blonder. As you all know, Yehuda Leib interviews someone new every week, someone interesting, someone with a unique challenge that brings a unique perspective to his life, someone who we can learn from. Today, we're going to interview Yehuda Leib and to find out what makes him tick. I'm your host, Yitzchak. So let's get started. Yehuda Leib, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. How are you? Baruch Hashem, fine. So when you first contacted me about doing this interview, I was thinking to myself, uh, where do I start? Where do I start? This man is a 30-year-old man who has lived a full life, and where do we begin to discuss Yehuda Leib? So, let's ask Yehuda Leib himself. Where do we begin? So, where do you want to start? Okay, I guess we can always start as uh, young Yehuda Leib. What was that like? So, let's, let's, let's introduce the world to Yehuda Leib Blonder at age 10. Is that a good place to start? So, I'll take you a little further back. So I'm number 11 out of 11 in my family. And <clears throat> I have something called familial dysautonomia, which is a rare gen- Jewish genetic disease. And it's usually, it's very rare in the Ashkenazi world. And there's only a couple of hundred people with it. And for me, for my family to have 10 other siblings without it, that's that's a... Uh, that's a unique thing in itself. Okay, so, so how old were you when your parents uh, realized that um, you had something unique about yourself? So, 
I was born a little early. Um, I wasn't eating or drinking. I wasn't doing anything like that. So I was put into the NICU for a couple weeks. And then, Baruch Hashem, they brought me home. My birth was about six weeks late. And um, and from there on, I still wasn't eating. I still wasn't drinking. Uh, whatever I was doing, it was very, very, like, delayed. Whatever they saw or they wanted to see in, a, in their kid was delayed. So they went from doctor to doctor, from any type of doctor. And then they went, they wound up in NYU by a certain neurologist. Her name was Dr. Felicia Axelrod. And she, she was the main doctor for all the kids that have familial dysautonomia or so at that, also at known that as point, FD. At that point, did they know that you had FD? Or did they just so they, they knew something was up. They didn't know what exactly it was. It was something neurological. It was uh, basically, um, it was neurological. It was in the brain, whatever it is. So at that point, I was a year and a half. So it was about 16 months when they finally got the, the diagnosis of, that I had FD. Was it, was it a blood test? Was it a... Um, a so it was, it was probably a lot of different tests that this doctor took and or the other doctors took and didn't realize what it was until this doctor knew because she was very familiar with the, with the, with the disease that she, she actually diagnosed me. Okay. It happens to be it was right before my brother's wedding in California. Um, so there was a lot of things going on. So um, I'm just wondering. Hang on. Did you did your brother do Darius um, Sharm or something before he um, before he got engaged? So there was Darius Sharm. However, it was not FD was not being tested from by Darius Sharm back Why in the nineties. Because it wasn't part of the panel just yet. They, no one really knew about FD to, ex, to an extent that WSRM put it on the panel. So they didn't, no one really tested. Okay, so, so moving on. So, so how, much, how much of this do you remember? The testing, the... the um, I, I don't the remember stuff. any of it. I don't remember any of it because I was a, very, I was a baby. But right. um, after a year and a half... Uh, the, then came all the hospitalizations and um, pneumonia after pneumonia after uh, you can name it all. I think I was uh, also a little over two and a half when I uh, or whatever it was. I don't know exactly how old, but I, I finally they finally put a G tube in me so that I can get um, nourishment and start gaining weight. You mentioned uh, off screen that you did a, um, a swallow study. How I've, old done, you? I've done many swallow studies. I'm your first one you did. How old were you then? I don't remember how old I was. It, it must have been uh, maybe, maybe five, six years old. I don't know exactly how old I was. Um, that was done in not NYU per se. That was done in a different hospital. Okay. So now let's, um, I guess like move on okay um now that we unfortunately 
are dealt with this problem. So right. how does this affect Yehuda Leib growing up? So let's talk about, let's say, you want to discuss the beginning. So let's start, I guess, nursery and kindergarten. What was so, that? So nursery and kindergarten, it was because I was hospitalized a lot. I didn't really get to go to nursery or kindergarten. So my mother, my parents actually left me back a, a grade because I was not well enough to go to school. It, but I was still like very much delayed because I was still going, I was still having lots of hospitalizations, surgeries, and everything um, that you can think of. Okay, so 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 now, um, did you have friends in your class from your area? Or did you hang out? Did you were you able to um, have a social life besides you know the school life? So so when my parents decided to send me to school. So they started, they applied me to a certain school and the school... I'm just wondering, are we talking about school names or are we going to keep them off the table? Uh, I could say the names. It was the Hader. Okay. The Hader accepted me. Um, unfortunately, the day before school started, um, the teacher that was supposed to have, that I was supposed to have, uh, quit. And the principal decided to say no because there was a new teacher coming in and they didn't want to have a, another person in the classroom as a shadow to shadow me around. So mm -hmm. they, they said no. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now let's um, talk about, let's say, um, uh, let's, let's start in the beginning of your, let's say, academic career. So let's say learning how to read. Um, being part of the classroom. Um, so, so after not being accepted to the cheder, it took um, about a month uh, for my parents to find a school for me to go to. Uh, they finally went over to Reb Manus Mendel's Zatzal, and he, my father told Reb Manus Mendel, I have a special needs kid. He's he was supposed to go to school, but he was not taken. So Reb Manus. Mandel said, send him to school tomorrow, to us. So, so Ramanus Mandel is, uh, which yeshiva? So Ramanus Mandel opened Yeshiva Brooklyn. He was the pioneer of Yeshiva Brooklyn. And he was the, the best person that happened to us because he gave, gave me a, a chance to be in school in a proper school setting and so this was so, so hang on so you went to yeshiva brooklyn starting what age what grade so i started in i want to say pre-1a or or right before pre-1a so so kindergarten kindergarten or pre-1a not exactly sure did anyone um, in the area also go were you the only one in the area going to yob or you had other so i had, there were a bunch of kids from my neighborhood that went to yob because it was the it was a good, it was a normal, regular, normal yeshiva. Had good teachers, good rabbim, and and yeah, it was just a, a, a solid yeshiva back in the day. Very nice. Okay, so now you the lives in. Um, now you're in pre one a, right? And what was that like? So you started with a new school the first time in your life. You're in a an official, you know, an official uh, academic environment. It's not, you know, no free for all. Right. Go to mommy whenever you want. And now you're in class. So what is that like for someone? So, so you had a so shadow you mentioned. I had a, sh I had a shadow. And 
so since I was I was hospitalized a lot more in elementary school in Yeshiva Brooklyn than than previous years growing up. So um pre one A it was I, I don't really remember that much from pre one A, but first grade and on I remember I remember very well. Ramanus Mandel has a has a son that actually lives around the corner from me. And um so he was the Manal of Yeshiva Brooklyn then. Um one day I was in we were in, I was in first grade. And I, I still remember to this day, I was my who my Rebbe was, and one day he the Menal Rebbe Mendel called up my mother. I unfortunately was ended up in the hospital, so I didn't really have that much learning that I was able to do. So he he called the Menal called up my mother and said, I forgot the name of it, but they basically they put me in the classroom while I was on the phone in the hospital so I could learn. Well, well today today they have like telehealth, some, something something similar. Something similar, but it wasn't telehealth. It wasn't like that. It was it was basically over the mic, over the the microphone system. So that, a, Rebbe, a Rebbe had like a mic next to him and then you saw him? I, I, was, no, I didn't see him. You couldn't I see him. On, I, was, I was on the phone. Okay, this is a long time ago. It wasn't so yeah. easy to have. Yeah. But you were on the phone and the, and the class was able to hear you? Yeah. Interesting. And and so he, that's actually pretty um that's pretty amazing. Someone you know this is at least how many years ago is this twenty uh, some uh, years ago? Twenty some odd years ago. I don't know exactly how many years See, ago. It's it's pretty progressive for someone so long ago to be able to understand the need for this. Right. And uh, so you were sitting in your hospital bed, listening and to class. I was listening to class. I was doing the best I could with whatever was going on while with me in the hospital. Um, the now actually he has a son who I'm very, very, very good friends with. His name is Chaim. And since pre-1A, actually, we've been best friends. And he actually, he and I learned together for many, many years over the phone every night. And when I wasn't in, in yeshiva or whatever, he would bring home my homework and stuff like that. So I have very, very extremely great appreciation to him and to his family especially to the Holmendel family they 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 took a chance on a kid with with a disease they brought him into the yeshiva and and just to be clear it's an unknown disease they didn't know right they, no one knew exactly what it was i mean at that point they did but they it didn't, wasn't common it wasn't common correct it wasn't common so it was yeah he brought home all the work. Um, a lot of times I went to, I was able to go to yeshiva in the morning, but unfortunately with FD, you, you get, you can get sick at any point in time of day. So I would get sick, start not feeling well. And, and, um, I guess the secretary I, would call your mother and then it would be, so I would go to the secretary, I would go to the office and, um, call, call either my mother or father. Back then, we also, don't forget, the cell phones were also not that common back in the day because there was not that many cell phones. And if you had a cell phone, you were very, very rich. So your parents weren't necessarily reachable. Right. So my father worked um, in wherever. And my mother was home uh, with her other kids. So it was very hard. But 
she always made the tri- made the trip out to Flatbush to Yeshiva Brooklyn to pick me up. Does, does your mother drive? My mother does not drive, so she either walked or either took a train or wow. taxi, wow. whatever it was. To how, how far is uh, YB from your house? Just it's about fifteen twenty minutes. It's not far. Mm-hmm. It's on. I live in Kensington, and Yeshiva Brooklyn is on Avenue L and Ocean Parkway. And um, so, but so, so your mother basically had to be available throughout the day. Your father was at work. So your mother, if she wanted to work, she couldn't because she had to. Right. She had to be home for me. So an, an and, average and, year, an average year, how many times were you out? Not how, not how long you were out. How many times were you out? Oh, how many times uh, did you have to call to take you home? It could have been every day of the week. It could have been wow. three, two, three, four, depending on the time, time, uh, depending on the age also, mm-hmm. because, um, Back then, there was no real advancements in medication and all that stuff. So it was much easier to uh, not, I don't want to say much easier, but it was much easier to get sick than not to, than to stay healthy. What, what, what does it look like when you say you're getting sick? So you mentioned pneumonia earlier, but I'm, I'm assuming you didn't get pneumonia every day. So what, what does no. it mean to get sick? So getting sick means I start feeling nauseous. I start getting red in my face. I start blotching, getting blotchy, and I have something called crisis. Now, if anyone has ever seen a crisis, you know exactly what it is. Basically, you cannot throw up any any food because when when you're diagnosed with FD, they make they do a surgery called a stomach wrap. Now, what is what's a stomach wrap? They wrap your stomach like a pillow basically so that you can only throw up not even throw up you can retch saliva so why do you just to be clear why do you have to throw up is this something that you become nauseous and you have to throw up when you're nauseous you want to throw up right so, so when you say a crisis the crisis is basically they become nauseous and then you have to throw up but you can't correct you want to throw up but you can't because you have the stomach wrap so you have so you only retch saliva Okay, and the outcome of that, what happens afterwards? So it really depends on if you catch right now. You, if you catch it early enough, it goes. It, it go. It, it can go. It can go away within within a couple of hours. But if you don't catch it right away, you, when you, you say catching it right away, you mean there's some kind of medication now that mitigates the issue? So there's there have been medication. It's called whatever from day one, but it's it, it helps. Lower the blood pressure and heart rate, and that makes it less nauseous. Sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, when but it's sometimes you need more than one dose. So, so, if it's effective, the point is that ultimately you you you're not nauseous anymore, and then you don't have to retch, and then you feel better. Right. You go to sleep, and mm-hmm. you, you. So this can sometimes come on like the onset. There's no indication that's going to happen. It just happens. Correct. We will be right back after words from our sponsor. Paraflight, luxurious and private, our network of jets and helicopters provide stress-free corporate flights for discerning business owners and executives. Experience the Paraflight difference as we fly you from anywhere to anywhere, anytime. Call 844-538-1911. Jet and helicopter charters, 24-6 dispatch center, domestic and international, urgent flights, concierge service, ground transportation, gourmet kosher catering. Paraflight, we focus on your flights, you focus on your business. Call Sim Shane and the Paraflight team, toll free at 844-538-1911. 
Paraflight, 844-538-1911. Experience the Paraflight difference, 844-538-1911. And we are back on the Unique Perspective show. So let's let's jump back into the school. How were okay. the kids in class, um, let's say in, in, in first grade, second grade, what were they like? Do you remember? So, so it was it was really it was a regular yeshiva and the kids were were the, most of them, ninety-five percent of the kids were very, very nice. They obviously knew that something was up with me because I, I missed a lot. But um but they were all very nice to me. And um, especially Chaim Mendel. Chaim Mendel was very, very nice. And he's, he's a superhero. He's a superhero of the story. He was a, yeah. villain, a superhero. He's a superhero. Yeah. All right, fine. So, so now let's move on to, uh, I guess, older grades. Um, so, I mean, did you know throughout, as you're growing up, that you were different, that you had different types of challenges, or you didn't think of yourself that way? I knew I had different challenges because I didn't go to school every day. I wasn't able to go to school every day because I wasn't feeling well. So I did know I, I, I was different, different to, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, because kids, kids also, regular normal kids don't come to school also. Every day, right. Every day. There's other, day. No, There's other issues, yeah. right. But, but I did know that I was different. Did I feel like I was being treated different in Yeshiva of Brooklyn? No, I was not treated different. Any different? I didn't feel like it. It could be I was, but I don't. I didn't feel like I was being treated any differently. You, you said you mentioned earlier that the yeshiva would accommodate you by you know making that uh, um, phone system and that Chaim would bring the homework. And uh, and was this to this extent throughout the years or just the first and second grade? Throughout the entire all the years of elementary school, he would he would come bring me home my homework or. Whatever we would learn on the phone, literally until. Did you keep up? Did you keep up with with, with the classwork? I did not keep up with class. I couldn't keep up with, especially English. English was a very very hard part of the day because I was a lot of the times it happened during the afternoon period. Hours, right. So I I didn't really keep up. I did have later on in the years growing up. I did have home. I did do homeschool. Um, homeschool just in the afternoon. You mean just in the afternoon because to keep to like teach me more uh, science, ma- spelling, math. I, it happens to be I was very very good at one point in my life with spelling, even though I I did I missed a lot. But when I was there, I did amazing at spelling. Uh, now I can't say the same. <laughs> Well, sometimes uh, it runs in the family. Sometimes you know, just something you, you pick up. Right. right. So now, if you can, let's let's uh, let's talk a bit about the summers. So I know that uh, you know high life on is a big part of your life, and I know it's because of Camp Simcha. So what what was your introduction to Camp Simcha? How did it start? How old were you? What was it like? Great question. So I don't want to I don't want to be a Balgaiva right now, but. Um, I my pediatrician was Dr. Stuart Dichik. And Dr. Dichik, uh, I was in his office one day, and and I don't know exactly who was there with me, uh, either me, both of my parents or just my mother, I don't remember exactly. He said, I'm opening up a camp for special needs kids. 
and I would like for you to send your kid to camp. Um, my mother, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but she said, absolutely not. However, my father's like, absolutely. <laughs> Take him for a, however Funny. long you want. Yeah, it just sounds like your father took care of you more than your mother. And maybe he was just, uh, you know, sick and tired of you. He was okay. sick and tired of me. So, so that was when I was... Yeah, that was when I, that was when I was six and a half years old. So oh, wow. so I started Kempson. I mean, I was the first applicant and first acceptancy acceptancy into Kempson Special in two thousand one when I was six and a half years old. And just to be clear, Kempson uh, Special is what exactly? So Kempson Special is a camp for people with um, chronic illnesses, like such as FD. CP, uh, MD, as opposed to as opposed to Kemp uh, uh, regular is for kids with Yanomahlo uh, or cancer. You want it? I hear. Yeah. Okay, so that's so the special part means it's everything other than everything other than that. Okay, right. So it happens to be it happens to be Kemp um, regular started before Kemp special. Um, I was talking to the the CEO of High Lifeline. Rabbi Simcha Scholar. You had him on a couple of weeks ago, yeah. Right. And he said, said something funny, that um, Kem Simcha Regular should have been named Kem Simcha Special, and Kem Simcha Special should have been called Kem Simcha Regular. Why? Because Kem Simcha Regular kids, meaning kids with cancer, you treat them like special kids. And Kem Simcha Regular, meaning Kem Simcha Special, should have been called Regular because you, you should treat... Kids with special needs, regular, but just but that's just it, how it worked it, out. It just okay. worked out because Kemsonko regular started before Kemsonko special, yeah. okay. and they had all the everything ready, so they just added the word special to Kemsonko. So your bragging rights is that you were in year number one. I was there in year number one. And you we were the guinea pig that started out Kemsonko special. Not only, not only the guinea pig, they had such hard times. It, the first year getting finding counselors and staff for Kempsimcha special because no one knew what they were getting themselves into in Kempsimcha or Chalef. And they had no idea what they were getting themselves into. It was very, very hard. They only had camp for one week. So seven days from Sunday to Sunday. And I actually have to tell you something because so right before Kempsimcha special started, the dining room burnt down. Okay, fine. So we all ate in the in the gym every meal. However, me with FD, I was sick the entire week. Now, that's the first week that they're starting out with. It was the entire first week. Now it's it was one week that that year. So I I missed everything. Friday night came. I woke up and I told my counselors, I want to go to the Friday night meal. In the gym. In the gym. And lo and behold, they took me, I guess, in a wheelchair. I don't remember exactly what they did. They took me and I sat with Dr. Dietrich on his table. And um, we had a gorgeous Friday night meal. And I think I went, got sick right after the meal. But you got that one, that one little taste of high life on special. 
Sorry, Camp Simcha special that first year. Listen, right. it's dragon rights, and you do have a right to be uh, about Gaiva. And, um, you know, you have other things to brag about, but this is definitely one of those. Okay, so let's move on. So that was Camp Simcha. And, and, and as time went on, it became more and more of an official. It, it's definitely more of an official camp nowadays. Now it's between 10 and 14 days per session. How, how, many, how many years did you go? So I went from six and a half till I was 18 years old with one gap year in between. But later on, I'll speak about that gap year. All right. So you basically were there for quite a while. That's, uh, yeah. You basically, you watched it grow up to an extent. I, I, I grew up in Camp Simple Special. I, 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 that's my home away from home. I grew up in Camp Simple Special. How many years before um, Camp Simple Special had its first year did Camp Simcha exist? Camp Simcha... Kem Simcha has existed since 19, in the 1980s or something, but it was very small. It was, it was not like what it is nowadays. It, it was very small. They didn't even have this big, massive campus that they, that they're on right now. They, and. But when you got there, you were, they already had this campus. So they had this campus. They bought it maybe five, six years before that, but. Then the dining room burned, and it was old. It was decrepit. It was old bu bunkhouses. The first year they didn't even have air conditioning in the bunkhouses. Hard to imagine, but that's how we all grew up. <laughs> it, it was not normal. The maintenance guy, his name is Bensie Brown. He was running around. Uh, I think it was the first year, looking for air conditioning for air conditioners for the bunkhouses for Kempton Special. No, and like. Uh, like I literally said, no one had any clue what they were getting themselves into. Mm -hmm. And 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 now, just comparing, um, you know, <laughs> now they, they probably have uh, everything. They have the most, the biggest infirmary in the in upstate New York. They have the mass, most massive grounds, the be most beautiful bunkhouses in the world. It's just. Absolutely amazing! Every year they they do something very nice for the kids, something new. Okay. Uh, last year they did a whole new outdoor thing. This year I don't think they did major anything major, but they redid some some things. Now they you know busy with the rain, so I don't know what they're doing these days. Yeah, wow! It's been a weird look at week. that rain last night. It's been a weird week. Okay, so yeah. moving on. So let's let's discuss uh, Yehuda Leib at I don't know sixth or seventh grade. So what was that like? So, so at that point, I'm assuming you um, sort of came to terms with the differences you had. Um, right. At this point, you're probably, I don't know, uh, 11 or 12 years old. I was 12 years old in sixth grade. Okay. And Chaim and Del is still a friend of yours? Still, we were still best friends. We still learned every night. And um, yeah. And um, what, what was different? I mean, what would you say is different I was, in terms of your life, was, in terms of your general day when you were in first grade so when you oh major difference i was i was getting much health meaning healthier to ex to an extent that i was able to stay most of the day in for hebrew and for english also in mm -hmm. sixth grade seventh grade mm -hmm. and, and this is this is because uh, you you better, better able to manage your crises or just because you were healthier in general you were eating better. I was, we were able to we were we started to be able to manage our my crisis much better but all i was i i grew up and and i was growing up i was uh, 12 years old in sixth grade uh, a 12 year old with fd back in the day was not unheard of but it was 
it was it was quite it was quite impressive and each day I was getting better and better. Uh what like could you describe something you did differently in terms of your regular, you know, regular schedule, regular um I just had lots of therapy, yeah. lots of feeding therapy, lots of Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention I didn't start eating really good big foods until I was in fifth grade. What happened was in fifth grade, I start I I started having something called seizures. It's part seizures, and one of the doctors that we went to um, put me on a medication, and and they didn't warn us that it's gonna it's uh basically you get starving and you start eating a lot okay so side effects is that you're hungry side effects yeah you make it it makes it makes you hungry so it, i i was dealing with seizures also from fifth grade through the beginning of high school but um what happened was that so i started eating a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot, and it, it, it made me sick because I, I couldn't stop eating. I, I was eating and couldn't stop eating. At this point, you were eating through a feeding tube? I was eating by mouth. Eating by mouth? Yeah. And I was eating by mouth with my, with my feeding therapist who came almost every single day. I don't know exactly how many days a week, but she came almost every single day. And... I started eating and eating and gaining weight and gaining weight up until finally they decided to put me in the hospital in fifth grade or was it the beginning of sixth grade? I don't remember. No, I think it was the end of fifth grade that they put me on. They put me on something called an EKG and, and they put me on a certain medication that stopped the seizures and and that stopped the need for the other medicine that made you hungry, and then he slowed down. Right. Well, I had other medication between in between the one that made me okay. eat a lot. But what? What? What about? Um, so when did you actually start eating full foods? In fifth grade. Oh, so I wanted to know your days. So your day got your day got better because you uh, ate better. You, I'm assuming, you slept better. You were uh, able to manage. I, I was not sleeping. You were not sleeping. I was not sleeping better than I was. It was the same. Same. Okay, but uh, you're definitely more healthier than you were, um, you know, in nursery and kindergarten for a second. Correct, yeah. And uh, you had a more fuller day. Yeah. All right, so let's, uh, let's continue on to your bar mitzvah. Okay, so, so, that, was, so that, was, that was in seventh grade, when I was in seventh grade. What um, time of the year is your bar mitzvah, by the way? Is it, uh, so my... my so my birthday is right after the summer, after Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. If actually falls, my Hebrew birthday is fourth fourth day Chalmai. My English birthday is October fourth. Okay. So, um, the year of my bar mitzvah, it, it the Chalmai Sukkot was a full week. So my parents wanted to make it was a big simple because I'm 13 years old and whatever so they made it in uh, Rabbi Kohn's sukkah on Coney Island and Avenue L it's one of the biggest sukkahs in New York 
in Brooklyn, I mean. And um, so they they rented the sukkah, and so what happened was, Chalmaid, I was not feeling well, and got I started getting sick with crisis. How many days before your mitzvah? This was the week of my bar, bar mitzvah. Like it was end end of the uh, first days. Literally, I got sick like at the end of uh, the first day, second day, whatever. First, uh, the second day of first day yantiv, and they didn't know what to do because my bar mitzvah was on Thursday, and I was sick like a dog. Like I really was sick, so. They took me to my doctor, Dr. Dicek, and I think it was pneumonia, but I'm not 100% sure. So they, he put me on antibiotics, and it still wasn't getting better. I still remember to this day, it was, I was lying in my bed, or on my couch, I don't remember where it was, but my sister comes over to me. And says it was raining outside. And <clears throat> when it rains, it gets worse. You you, no, you can't. You can't have. Uh, you can't. You, oh, you the sukkah. You mean you don't eat in the sukkah, right? Okay. So for Plan B it was in the basement hall of of Rabbi Cohen's shul. My sister comes over to me, starts singing, "The sun will come out tomorrow, tomorrow. The sun will come out tomorrow." Anyway, lo and behold, lo and behold, the day of my of my bar mitzvah, fourth day Cholamayin. It was a Thursday. The Thursday night was Hashanah Rabbah. The sun came out. It was gorgeous, beautiful day, and I was feeling amazing. Baruch Hashem, thank you Hashem, and they were. Everyone was like just. Like in awe, first of all, because of the rain, and second of all, because I was feeling much better. And, and I, so, yeah, we, my bar mitzvah was for the ages, I think. It was still. When did you, you put on film for the first time? So I put on a month before. My father oh, so put. Either way, it wasn't really a. Right. Wow. So um, the bar mitzvah. Since Kim was still pretty, Kim special was pretty new back then. It was 06, 07. Everyone came. Like, literally, the entire Kim Sinkhoa special, all the staff came. Plus, my family is big, can I know her? And my, I have regular friends. Like, I have a whole class of, of, yeah, of friends and family friends. I don't know exactly the number, but it was, I think it was tossed around by between six and 800 people that came to the Bar Mitzvah. Amazing. And I, and so originally my father did not want me to say Pshaito, but I have a brother who learns a lot, Baruch Hashem. He lives in Lakewood and he, he wrote me my Pshaito. And he, he, my father practiced with me, practiced, practiced. 
because I had a very hard time speaking back in the day. Well, you still have a hard time with the... Um... Yes and no. I'm getting much better, but back in the day, it was very hard. So it just, like, I kept on whatever, I was practicing, practicing. And they, they have, we have a video of my bar mitzvah. And if you look at it, I totally, totally, I, I don't want to say killed it because yeah. killing was not a word back then, but it, you did a good I, job. I did a good job. If you may for, say so yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just was a, it was a complete, what can I say? I can't say anything about more about my bar mitzvah than, than it was just absolutely amazing. I had Shlemy Dax sing at my bar mitzvah. Uh, How many people know? Uh, you know, may not may not know who Shlemy Dax is. Well, I just Dax. had I just had Shlemy Dax. Yeah, he became famous again a couple of months ago. Shlemy Dax was the guy. <laughs> he was the guy. He I, was the guy. My all time favorite singer, Shlemy Dax. Shlemy Dax was the guy. He was the big guy in those days. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's move on a little bit. So, uh, you graduated. I'm assuming um, um, your yeshiva. Hopefully, you know, unless you like <laughs> decided to uh, cut. But you graduated yeshiva, and then you went to high school. Right. So let's talk about that. So, so okay. you you went to high school, obviously in ninth grade. So, um, so the last year, so, hang on, one second. The last year you were in um, YOB. Um, you still went to uh, Camp Simcha, right? Yeah. All right, so your first introduction to a new group of kids was literally High school. first day you walk into class. So you've, you've been to the same kids, literally, uh, from, I guess, you said pre-1A or so? Or right. Kindergarten pre-1A, all yeah. the way, but, but oh, roughly nine years. Right. Nine years. And even in the summer, you really hung out with the same other kids, but there wasn't Correct. Any, that's just a couple, it's, it's a couple of weeks. And then, for the first time in your life, you're in a different environment, and that's called high school. Well, high school is a rough place. So, so back up a little bit. Okay. So I graduated. Uh, so when I was in eighth grade, it was different because already when I, I forgot to mention this, but when I was in third grade, we got a new manal in Yeshiva Brooklyn. The name is Rabbi Aram, Rabbi Zvizev Aram or something like that. So he he became the new manal in Yeshiva Brooklyn, and so when I was in eighth grade. As all boys do, you, you start looking for high schools where you want to go to. So I really wanted to go with friends to wherever they were going. Now, however, with FD, being that I have FD and I get sick a lot. You couldn't go out of. I, I couldn't go out of town. My number one choice was Darche, but I couldn't go there because it was too far. My second choice was Tartumima. That was a little far. The third choice, which was not my number one choice, num not my number one or number two, I went there. I did not go with anyone. So just before, hang on. So, so the boys in your class went mostly where? Like a guy so, like Chaim Mendel, where did he go? Chaim Mendel went to Peekskill. Peekskill? In ninth grade? Yeah. Okay, and but most of the boys went to peace, and they, they went so far. No, uh, they they all they all went to other places. One went to Chavetz Chaim. One went to uh, 
I don't know. Tortino, Tortino and, themselves had their own high school? I guess not. So so they used to have their own high school. It was run by my cousin, actually, for many years. But by by then, he already moved to Lakewood, and there was no more high school anyway. So um, so how, I was just wondering, how many kids did you have in your class in YOB? We had, I want to say, about 30. And they all went, they scattered all over the place. Yeah. We will be right back after words from our sponsor. A mushal, a story, aloha, drush, divrei, Torah, quotes, and sayings galore. No matter what type you are, there is something in Torah Tavlin for everyone. Torah Tavlin is a compendium of stories and sayings, wit and wisdom from our Torah leaders and greatest Gedalim throughout the generations. Torah Tavlin is read by over 50,000 people weekly and has a collection of over 10 svarim in print. Sign up today to receive the Torah Tavlin weekly newsletter by sending an email to subscribe at TorahTavlin.org or by filling out the form by visiting our website at www.torahtavlin.org. Torah Tavlin is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all donations are tax deductible. To donate or for sponsorships and dedications, please visit us on the web or send an email to donate at torahtavlin.org. And we are back on the Unique Perspective show. So you went to this other school, this new school for the first time, and so let's describe that. So... I went to a new school for high school and with no one. I didn't go with anyone. The first day of high school, I see a kid that whatever looks similar to what Chaim Mendel was. Okay. I, I, I say, hello, how are you? My father, my father was with me. Um, okay, whatever. That was that. I went from 30 kids to, I, I want to say, 13 in my class in ninth grade. Wow, it was a small school, okay. It was not a small school. It was, uh, it was considered the base share. So the grade itself was pretty big. It just had a smaller base share. Correct. And you, you were in the base share because you sort of had so a... I was, I, I'm not really sure why I was put into the base share. It could be because I, I, I was far behind or... I was not, I wasn't such a good learner. I didn't, I, I, I learned, but I wasn't like one of the top boys in my class. So yeah, I was put into the base year for a reason, whether it's because I wasn't feeling well and I was far behind or I just wasn't a big learner. So I was put into the base year. And I think there was 13 kids, if I'm not mistaken. And the Alshir had about, I don't know, 25 kids, 25, so about 40, kids. So about 40, 45 in the grade. Yeah. Okay. So, so okay. So this, so this, this, this kid that looks like Chaim, who, who is he? He's some random kid that I just saw in high school. I don't know his name. Um, so you had some familiarity, so you felt a little, uh, you felt comfortable in a weird right. way. Yeah. Um, like you had mom's kinish with you, you know, you had like something to hold on to. Right. And yeah, I thought I, I thought I did. I thought I had someone that I could hold on to. And how, how was he, how were your rebame there? Did they um, deal with your issues or they, so the, the rebame, so my ninth grade Rebbe was already pretty much at the end of his career at the yeshiva. So he didn't really, um, he didn't really do anything. My Bikis Rebbe 
was new to the yeshiva. He, he only, I think he only lasted there a couple of years. Um, so he also didn't really take, take any initiative in, in helping me or, or doing anything like that. Hang on. At this point, at this point, you had you were you were mostly still in yeshiva, or you, you went back to the old good old days where you're in the hospital half the time. So, uh, for the most part, I was in yeshiva once or twice. I was I ended up in the high in hospital, but uh, for the most part, I was in. Forget about the hospital. I'm talking about say like uh, the crisis. Oh, crisis! Yeah, crisis was all this. It was pretty much the same. Not not as bad, but it it, it was it was still there. It's, so still, say, it's still going to be there till Mitz Hashem at but um, that's just yeah. part of life. But the question yeah. is, so um, in YOB, you said he had his telehealth sort of whatever that was, that contraption that helped you sort of keep up when you weren't there. Did they do something similar to that in this other? They, in the so high so the high school did not do anything. They they didn't do anything. First of all, the principal was at the end of his life, also in the yeshiva. Oh wow, he came out of a bad year. Okay, and no, he he stayed through most of my high school years, but right after I left, he 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 retired from the yeshiva. He left from the yeshiva, so he also was not that that involved in in helping uh, the situation. How how were the boys in the class? They were not not your best boys. And they didn't help. The situation didn't help itself. And so you, you didn't you didn't have like a like a one kid that you were able to uh, lean on. No, I did not have one any kid to lean on. First of all, that's first of all. Second of all, they, none none of the kids in my class lived in my neighborhood. Wherever the yeshiva was, they didn't they didn't live in the neighborhood at all. So so it, there's no so, like out of class. Something. No, nothing, nothing, nothing did anything. What, what, um, so, so that you couldn't, they didn't help you with it. Did they stop you? Did they give you a hard time? You're talking about the yeshiva or the boys? Well, well let's, I guess, talk about the yeshiva first. So the yeshiva, you said, didn't really help you. Right. Um, did they just let you do your thing? Or did, let's say, for example, if you had to go to a doctor's appointment, did they give you, like, you should do it during Bainas Durham, or did they? They didn't give me. They didn't give me a hard time. They knew. They knew somewhat of the situation because the Manal actually was. Uh, we know the Manal's brother very well, so the family. So um, he knew sort of the situation. But was, did your mother tell him before of what? What's I'm assuming they 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 had a discussion beforehand. Also, I did not go to English in high school. I had homes. I was doing homeschool, and that was. I'm, I'm assuming that was for English. I'm talking about right, but that was that was discussed before. I'm sure. Yeah, that was that was discussed. So they knew something was up, and they they. Uh -huh. did, they right. so did they give you a hard time? Let's say you had to go to a, a you know a doctor's appointment twelve o'clock in the afternoon. Did you have like pushback? You know, uh, they didn't because at that point the rabbin Menalem didn't. They they turned the they they turned their eye, mm -hmm. if if you want to say it like that. Mm -hmm. All right, so now let's talk about the kids in the class. The kids in the class, you didn't have anyone in particular who you were close with, like you had in right. uh, school. None of the kids lived, lived in your neighborhood. Right. The kids themselves were, as you said, the base share. Right. That they weren't necessarily the best kids. Correct. Or socially, or what? Both, actually. Academically and socially. So, so like, what was that like? 
it was hard. It was really hard because um, I wanted to, I was trying to fit in the whole year in ninth grade. And I wanted to show that I am capable of being in the olive chair. But they didn't really let me do that, the kids in the class. Um, also, some a couple from the olive chair also, but uh, mainly from the base chair. They didn't really help. They didn't really help the situation. And they they really... Um, they. They took me for a run for my money. Mm -hmm. So, uh, do you want to elaborate on that? I mean, it took you. So, so, yeah, I'm going to elaborate. So, when I when I mean they took me for a run for my money, they bullied me, and I remember vaguely, not vague. I remember distinctly. I was home one night. This was in ninth grade. I remember getting um, three texts in a row from someone from the olive chair. Three nasty, nasty texts in a row. And I was like, I was like, no, this can't be happening to me. This cannot be happening to me. This is someone not even your class. This is someone not even right. Not even in my share. So this was at night. The next morning, I come into Yeshiva, and I want to tell them now uh, what happened. I want to show them. I want to show him that. I want to show them in all the texts. Um, the kid comes up to me and says, "Because I was at the Manal's door, it's like don't show him the texts or something to that effect." I'm like, "Why not?" You, why would, first of all, you're not allowed to have a phone in Yeshiva, whether or not it was in Yeshiva during Yeshiva hours, you're not, you're not allowed to have a phone. Why, why can't I show them now the texts? Hang on, you had, you had permission to have a phone? So I had permission to have a phone because of my situation. I had permission to have. And, and this guy got your number and he sent you texts. Okay. So, yeah. so you sang at Manal's office. If you want to show them now. He's like, don't, you can't show him the, the texts. I'm like, so me being naive and young and uh, naive, I deleted the text. Well, your proof is gone. My proof was gone. I can't show. I can't show them now that I received three texts in a row. I was like, okay, it's whatever. It is what it is. Texts don't last anymore. They don't last. Once it, once it gets deleted, it's deleted for good. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. Anyway, so 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 then so now you're faced with a situation of being bullied, and no one believes you. Right. No one believe. Not no one believes me. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell anyone about about me being bullied in ninth grade because I was. I thought it was still just going to be a phase, like. Like, how I mean, how much into the year did this happen? Oh, it happened uh, within the get-go of starting the year, throughout the year. Did, did your parents know? My parents did not know. Wow. So you basically suffered alone um, in ninth grade. As far as I know, my parents did not know when I, I was in ninth grade. They didn't tell them. They didn't know. I didn't like, tell them. Right. 
was there like a, someone at the school you had any shaykhs to that you can speak with any anyone you can like open up to I was in ninth grade I was a young kid I, I didn't really have that many friends yet that I can speak to or go go to for guidance I didn't know anyone I was again I was a new newbie I was uh, I was coming from a different yeshiva I wasn't coming straight from elementary and, and so when the rest of the boys in the yeshiva were there from elementary most of them or a substantial amount of them substantial amount were from the same elementary and this boy that was bullying you and in, in the alfshire he was uh, also from the... yeah he's he he came from from the elementary he went straight to high school meaning the same same school so so what so after the story did he leave you alone or he kept bothering you kept bothering me and bothering me and bothering me uh, throwing papers at me talking bad stuff to me it it, it just was really 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 terrible and i remember actually i remember one day during bikias um the kid in the base here with me said something to me and i got really really upset and i left hang on and, just, i'm sorry just, just to understand the situation over here the the kid in the base here this is a kid in your class correct and this is a kid you had other you also had trouble with Besides yeah. the Aleph kid share? Besides the Aleph share. Were they in cahoots together? Or did they do this together or just... I don't know if they were... In, I, I never uh, found out if they were in cahoots together or or they just did it themselves. Yeah. I never yeah. found out. Several things. Anyway, so, so, this, so this base kid... So he said something very not nice to me. And I got very, very upset. And I decided to leave. Because the Pekis Rebbe... Shrugged it off, didn't do anything, didn't help the situation. But what he heard, you he heard you say, he heard him say, he something. heard it, he heard the kid say whatever he said. I don't remember what he said, but it was hurtful he, and, and he didn't, was, okay. Yeah. So, so I, left. I left, I went home. Now, it, even though the school was close to where I was, I took the, the bus home a couple blocks because I felt very hurt and I didn't want to walk. And I remember till this day, the Bikis Rebbe texted me and called me to make sure I was okay. I answered because, well, you you don't you answer you, you don't not answer to a Rebbe. So I answered the phone, and I'm like, "What are you doing? You're not you're not helping the situation. You're." You're there, not, um, you're not fixing the situation that was going on. That's why I left. And so he's like, I'm sorry, but I don't know what to do. So this was ninth grade. Right. So I answered and I said, you, you're not helping the situ situation. And, um, that's why I left. He asked me, "Is are you okay?" I'm like, "No, I'm not okay. You didn't do anything to, to calm the situation, and that just occurred in in class." So, I was pretty much bullied in the entire ninth grade of the new school that I went to. Tenth grade, pretty much the same thing. And I remember to this day, actually. My Bikis Rebbe, I had a much smaller class in 10th grade. 
I don't know why. 13 kids? Like, uh, yeah, I think we had like seven to 10 kids in my class. It was, it was pretty bad. And Wondering, where did the boys go? Did they leave school entirely or just went to Aleph? They went to the Aleph share, a lot of them. Or, or whatever they did. I don't know exactly what they did, but yeah. I remember to this day, there were a couple of kids that were talking to the Pekis Rebbe in 10th grade. And um, they asked him a question, a certain question. And if Rebbe can explain what it is and how, how, how does it work. And I was like, for a 10th grader, you're going to answer? The Rebbe, the Rebbe looked at, at the kid and tried his best not to explain it in, in a, in. It was, it was an inappropriate question? It was an inappropriate question. I'm not oh. going to get into the question. But, oh, but the point was, so what is the very supposed to do, though? I mean, right. But that was that was just part of it. Talking about the maturity level of the boys in the class. Yeah, the maturity level of the kids were not the greatest. But what's the Rebbe supposed to do? You you're, you're going to let it let it go? You're going to try to explain it in the best hard. way. It was difficult. So it was difficult. To, you know, balance. Right. Uh, what, but, what about what about? But the, but the bullying continued in tenth grade. The major bullying continued in tenth grade, most of tenth grade. How, how did you? I'm sorry. This is with uh, this is from both Aleph and Bays. Yeah. The boys that were bullying you in, in ninth grade, they continued in tenth grade. I they mean, continued, yeah. and they were there, and they bothered you. Um. I, they also, by the way, they also skipped class a lot because they. They were doing stuff in, in the school that, whatever. Uh, why did the school tolerate this? It's a really, really good question. Uh, to this day, I don't know exactly exactly why they were they tolerated it. All I do know is that um, it, 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 they, it was pretty much a, a run for your, like, you can do anything. At this point, what do you mean you could do anything? You're talking about the kids had they had a free reign. They had free reign. They they were able to do anything they wanted at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean, okay, so 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 here's a let's say a 14 year old kid who's, who's at this point it's 16. 16 at this point. I mean, you already grade, 10th grade, 10th grade, but whatever. Let's say you're ninth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, ninth grader, or tenth grader who um. Goes to school every day because he's doing the right thing, and then in school it's not a safe it's not a safe place. You know, today they're busy with safe places, but right, this is between someone actually harming you and then perceived harm. This is actual right. harm, and you can't um, you can't run away from it because you're always in school. You have to go to school every day. Correct. So, so how do you, how do you deal with it? I didn't. I think your parents didn't I, know about it. You my parents still it. didn't know about it. So some people. Already in the in, in downstairs, already in that yeshiva, knew something that was going on because What's I downstairs. Ended, downstairs, you're talking about the, the, the office. You're talking about what? Uh, in different base matters. Oh, the base of the yeshiva. The yeshiva's yeah. people in the base yeah. Older kids know, but the older grades. Yeah, because they saw me coming down uh, a lot, talking to the boys and schmoozing with them and stuff like that. So they escaped situation by. Correct. Like going to the older with all the boys, hanging out with all the boys. Right. 
Uh huh. But but so so what? I mean, how did you go to school every day? I mean, I would probably just just I don't know. Start, I woke up. Start throwing I woke up. I woke up and whether or not I was, it was a good day, bad day, there was nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, I'm still 15, 16 years old. I, I, I'm not going to tell my parents what's going on. I, I feel wow. ashamed. You, you were ashamed to tell your parents? Yeah. You felt that this was your fault? I felt like it was my fault to a, a certain degree because I was not... I wasn't being, I wasn't doing anything special, meaning I wasn't being a special kid. I wasn't, I wasn't given the special treatment in the school, but I was, I I wasn't there a lot. So I didn't like, yeah, I didn't. didn't You felt that your parents would be upset at you. I mean, obviously that's not true, but you, you felt your parents would be upset at you for being bullied. Right. That's, that's like classic abuse. Yeah. And um, so, 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 so again, what motivated you to go? I mean, what, what was you thinking? You had no choice. You felt I like had you- no choice. I really had no choice. If if you could, if you could sort of turn back the clock, how would you do things differently today? If you I would go to. Somehow, I, would, I, would, I know I, today. What would you do differently? I would have gone to a different school. Let's say it's not possible. Let's say you're in the school. This is it. No schools accepting you in the middle of the school year. What do you do? I would have not gone to school anymore. You would basically put your foot down. You would have forced them to, to take care of the problem. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have any experience uh, what, what school goes on in schools today, but right. um, do you think today it's still, still an issue? Or is it something that, that gets it's more, people more aware of it? They know the signs better, maybe? I think it's more aware right now, but... Um, it's definitely more weird, meaning it, it, it it's more given more awareness, but um, not to. It's still I think it's def, still definitely ha- happening, but to a lesser, much lesser degree. Or at least that if they, it is happening, people know about it more. Correct. It's more because science. it's it's more. First of all, it's more nowadays. It's more open to meaning you. You're more. It it's more free. You can you can talk to people. You can there are people out there that deal with bullying situations, and they know how to deal with it. So they could help talk you through it. When I was in high school, it was it was not a taboo situation, but it was unheard of, like a little bit unheard of. Not necessarily heard of, but you're saying people weren't aware of it. People didn't think about it. Right, like toughen up. You know, they deal with it. They didn't like. Yeah. You know, if you could tell a little boy going through your situation, or not a little boy, talk to a ninth grader going through your situation, what would you tell him? Stand up for yourself. Go tell the people that are in charge, or you, your mentors, your your parents. Go go tell them. Don't sit around and not tell anyone about what's going on where you are, or whoever is doing it to you don't sit and 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 just keep quiet do talk you, to someone do you regret not speaking to your parents in the beginning so i do regret it but on on one hand on the other hand i don't because 
they can I know her and they're Baruch Hashem and maybe they're they're older people and they they weren't really I was their youngest so like they didn't really like okay he's hang on do, do your parents know they're older people or you're just saying that well now they do but <laughs> um but um I, I I didn't want to bother them because they were older already they had grandkids, they had married kids, grandkids, they were ready on to the next generation. I was the youngest of the generation to be born, so... But, but you're, you're in ninth grade, I mean, if you can't speak to your parents, who can you speak to? Agreed. But I was very... Still, even, even knowing all this, you still wouldn't speak to your parents about it? You still, you still wouldn't want to worry them? Not that I would... Maybe today I would. Not, not back then. Meaning today, knowing what you know now, you would probably... Yeah. If you could turn back the clock, you probably would. Yeah. And what could they have done? They at least give you chesed. At least tell they you. Have, help they would have helped. Maybe they would have told the very least. exactly what right. to do. And hopefully. Like, ignore it. Whatever it, it is. Stop, whatever it is. Yeah. They would have told me. I would maybe listen to them. Did you remember? I was very, I was very, I was very stubborn. Meaning I, I was very stubborn to myself back when I was growing up. And I... I didn't want to. You're saying you were stubborn. Now you're not so stubborn anymore. Just I'm still a little stubborn. It was a passing phase. You're saying I'm still a little stubborn, but but I was back back then. I was more stubborn, and I didn't want to bother them with this issue that was going on. And so 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 did you did you did your school ever find out about the bullying, or it was just there was never something that they brought up? I'm sorry. Did, did the school ever find out? Do you think you once you, you, so, so out, you were I, telling them out question. and never found out? I mean, what happened? So it's that? a good question. It's a good question. I don't really know it for sure, one hundred percent, if the school ever really knew what was going on. Just to Again, be clear, hang on. When you say the school, let's say we're talking about the Manal, we're talking about the. I'm talking about the Hanhala. I'm talking about the Hanhala at this point. I don't know really if they if they knew exactly what was going on, and. Um, and so I didn't really know what was going on. I don't think they knew. I mean, this, some people did know. Um, unfortunately, someone, one of the big authorities in, in the school told someone that they can't. This is from what I heard from my parents years ago. That someone told them that the, that the authority person did not. It said, uh, Paskin, you cannot throw kids, these ki these specific kids, out of the school. You can't throw the bully out of the school. Correct. Do you think that that's accepted practice today? I mean... Yeah. No, absolutely not. Uh, and you may disagree with me, but if, if there are bullies to the 10th, 10th degree, and there's you can't do anything, you... Tell you, you you call the parents say don't send your kids to school anymore to us go find uh, another school for your kids uh, and they're not they're not allowed back into this school because it's so it's so terrible for the you know you can't because you, that one kid can ruin the life of five other kids it's like correct mm -hmm. so so looking back at your time so so getting back to high school. I, I didn't really finish high school. I'll be straight honest with you. I did not finish high school. 
towards the end of 10th Listen, grade. A lot of rich people are high school dropouts. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Towards the end of 10th grade, I finally went over to the assistant Minal and he put me in 11th grade. So I pretty much, I pretty much skipped 11th grade in high school because I was there for two months and then I went sh- straight to 12th grade. Mm. Um, and yeah. So and when that happened, did you still have interactions with those other boys or? Of course I had, but again, I was in a different grade. These, these kids in this grade, which I was officially supposed to be in, although my mother held me back a year. So that's why I was in 10th grade, not in 11th grade. So you always, you basically went in 12th grade, you finally joined your actual class. Basically. Correct. And I was friends with all of them. They were, they were good, good, good boys to me. And, and we were all friends. And to this day, I speak to um, a couple of them. I just had, I just interviewed uh, Benjamin Lerner on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. And he was in that 11th slash 12th grade. And the next grade. Yeah. Did, did any of them live in your area? Um, a couple of them. But at that point, I was so done with high school that I didn't care that much about he- learning Hebrew and doing all that kind of stuff. I, I... Wow. Thanks for tuning in to the Unique Perspective Show. This concludes part one out of three in this series, interviewing Yehuda Blonder. The other two parts will be aired at a later time, so stay tuned. You have just listened to the latest episode of the Unique Perspective Show, broadcasted live on Hako Radio, powered by the Munson Mavasser. The Unique Perspective Show is hosted by Yehuda Blonder, who can be contacted through Hako Radio by sending an email to info at hakoradio.com. This show and many others can be found in the Hako Radio archive system on our website and mobile apps, and can also be found on all major podcasting services.